0: Hello, Cleveland, and welcome back to another edition of the Dogland Podcast, brought to you by Dogs by Nature, SB Nation, and Vox Media. I am your host, Jax McCurry, and rolling me with me as usual is Anthony Jokey. Anthony, how's it going, man?
1: Doing good, Jack. Uh, yesterday was a, a great night uh, down at the stadium. Uh, couldn't ask for anything better. I know I'm feeling a little bit under the weather, but. A Browns win always uh, will brighten the mood, to, no matter how I'm uh, feeling over here.
0: Absolutely, man, and it, it it feels good because after a four-game losing streak, uh, you kind of wondered if we would ever get another victory pod this season. But we are getting one, and it's our first one with dogs by nature, so this makes it even better. Uh, the Cleveland Browns at home Halloween night didn't know what we were going to get out of them, but they go in and pull off the upset against the Cincinnati Bengals, who are coming in red hot. Uh, but the Browns on both sides of the ball just dominated and come away with a victory 32 to 13. They are now three and five overall this year, two and one in the AFC North. And you could say they're coming into the bye week with some momentum, uh, knowing that on the backside of that, they got a pretty tough schedule with some playoff contenders. But they also got some games where you, you feel good about the Browns' chances to pull out a victory. But uh, last night was definitely uh, exciting to watch. Uh, I know for me, uh, watching it with my girlfriend at her house. But for you, Anthony, obviously in the stadium, you said it was electric. Uh, the crowd was bringing the noise, and the team I think thrived off of that. From the uh, from the moment Joe Hayden smashed the guitar as the dog pound captain, and it it carried into the ga- the game as well.
1: Even before that, because I tweeted, I don't know who was in charge of the game presentation yesterday uh for pre-game, during a game and, and post game, but they deserve uh all the credit in the world because all the things they did for Halloween night and Monday night football making it feel special. Um, it was tremendous. So like when the uh, the Bengals or right before the Bengals came out, they had Central State uh University marching band playing the Halloween theme to introduce the Bengals. Uh, the whole stadium went dark. They had those little white bracelet things, which I'm sure you saw throughout the game. Uh, that was phenomenal. Uh, obviously, Joe Hayden coming in. Uh, the crowd let off a massive roar for that. Um, they put on a tremendous halftime show, uh, doing uh, recreating the Thriller music video. Um, the end of the third quarter, they brought back, um, I forget what the kid's name was, but that 12-year-old uh, guitar player uh, him and a violinist uh playing thunderstruck um, whoever was in charge of that did a, did a great job and it just added to the electricity that was already there for the night so uh, that crowd was amped up for for the entire you know three and a half hours uh that that, that game went on and even a little bit before so uh kudos to whoever who did that um uh, that was one of the best atmospheres i've been at since i become a season ticket holder uh, down at the stadium and obviously winning and, and the result makes it that much better. Um, so, you know, they just did a, a tremendous job for, for the whole thing last night.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think the players brought that as well because, you know, pregame, you're on social media, you see the players showing up to the stadium in costume Anthony, I don't know if you get the chance to see them all, but out of the Browns players who did dress up, who was your favorite? Halloween costume that the uh, the players uh, had last night before the game.
1: Now I know Miles Garrett looked cool, and I know it's from Stranger Things, but I've never seen it, so I don't really get the reference. But okay, uh, People's Jones as as a Power Ranger. I, I think I think that one kind of takes the cake. I think.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, I know a lot of people were like, "What? What were his poses?" And I don't know. My recollection was. I think he was posing like the Power Rangers did in the Super Nintendo video game back in the 90s. That was my first thought, but people, because people were wondering why was he posing like that, but it just seemed like it gave a video game vibe. Um, Obviously, I loved Miles dressed as Vecna, who was like the main villain on Stranger Things in the past season, so that was pretty cool. Um, I did like that Perrion Winfrey and Isaiah Thomas both dressed up as Michael Myers, and then they did the Spider-Man meme, so I thought that was pretty cool as well.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I think uh, I wasn't expecting uh, Isaiah Thomas to turn into uh, uh, Michael Myers last night, but he, he played very well. So so did that whole defense, which I know we'll talk about.
0: Yeah, well, let's actually start with the defense because, you know, they've gotten a lot of scrutiny for the first half of the season. Um, last week, they played a good game against Buffalo, obviously couldn't put it all together. Um and unfortunately lost the game, but last night, man, the defense said the tone early on, obviously the Browns, win the coin toss that they deferred, given the ball to the Ravens burrow started working his way down the field. And then miles Garrett, obviously led. he led the defense throughout that game. Um, you know, swans a pass that leads to an A.J. Green interception. Miles was dominant. Everybody was waiting for him to be that game record, to be like that T.J. Water, Aaron Donald. And I thought he was last night. Um, obviously, pass breakup, one and a half sacks. Uh, just, he was just all over the place, constantly creating pressure. Not only him, but the entire defensive group. Um, but I thought the defense set the tone for that whole night. Uh, They were wreaking havoc on Joe Burrow. We mentioned that in the pregame that that was something that they had to do. But, you know, I thought the defense set the tone and, you know, obviously set the table for the offense to do what they did. But uh, back-to-back weeks now, the defense has put it together, put the Browns in a situation to win in Baltimore, and then set the tone for the Browns to win the game last night against Cincinnati.
1: Yeah, I don't know what it is about the in division games, but it seems like the defense and, and Joe Woods seem to have a much better game plan uh for the divisional games. And maybe it's just because of the familiarity uh, you know, over the last couple of years. Well again, you know, from playing them. Uh you saw last week with Baltimore, they played a much better defensive game and obviously what they were able to do last night. Um, you're right about setting the tone early from the, the first drive miles tip in the pass that led to the AJ green uh, interception. Um, you just saw how they were uh, going to be able to create pressure all night. So um, the, the, the game plan was great. You have to take advantage of the Cincinnati offensive line. That is not very good. Uh, you have to think that that that's going to be their main focus. Uh, this off season is to uh, continue to, to revamp that offensive line. They have to protect Joe Burrow. Uh, if they don't, you know, I don't know, uh, you know, how long he could last back there just because of you know how poor that old line is uh, at the moment. But, um, the way the Browns were able to create pressure from from the get go, uh, was a the theme throughout the whole game, whether it was uh, Miles Garrett, whether it was Isaiah Thomas uh Taki Taki I think played his best game as a brown last night and they utilized him very well on on blitzes um, you know the the one blitz uh, he caused the fumble up. it was him that caused it right i think yeah he caused the fumble on um, and, and you could just see the hole open wide up for him to run through to get burrow on that one uh it was it was pretty nice um but the the whole defense uh played a really great game last night M- MJ Emerson I'll tell you what Jack uh, is making it very easy I know Greedy was back last night but making it very easy to move on from, from Greedy Williams uh, at the end of the season um, He has played so well he's grown so much uh, through his first uh, eight games as a rookie um, I love how big and how physical he is but um, you know, he, he's he's gonna be a very nice player uh for the Browns and that's just one of those later round picks that uh you know the uh Andrew Barry hit on. Uh and I, I think he's gonna be a, a a big player in the trio of guys after this season with him, Newsom and, and Denzel Ward um, you know, at corner there. So they have a few good pieces. Uh, a lot of them played very good games last night, or like the best games that they've played as a Brown. Uh, like I mentioned, Taki Taki and, and Emerson, Isaiah Thomas, those were the guys last night that that made a difference for this defense that uh, had really been struggling. But uh, hopefully, they can turn the corner now, uh, heading into the bye week, um, and, and continue to build upon uh, these last couple games. And because they're gonna have a huge test against Miami in a couple weeks.
0: Yeah, without a doubt like you know they're starting to build momentum and I know, you know, in our group chats we talk about like why does it take Joe Woods half a season to get things going defensively like that's the one frustrating part because if they had played like they had the last two weeks and the first couple of games of the season the Browns record could be totally different heading into the bye week but like you said like guys are starting to settle into their roles and and thriving in them you know obviously you know, you hate to see Jacob Phillips suffer another injury, but Sione Takitaki has flourished in his role the last couple of weeks. Deion Jones is getting more comfortable in this system. I thought he made some impactful plays last night. Uh, it's that linebacking room is starting to settle. Uh, the secondary seemed to play a lot better last night. We were wondering how that was going to be against Higgins and Boyd. For the most part, it was successful. Obviously, Greedy gave up the big touchdown in the second half. But, you know, you know, Martin Emerson, like you mentioned, really emerging as a mid-round rookie. I know Troy Aikman had high praise for him. Uh, Emerson was all over the place last night, breaking up passes, uh, making some big plays. That hard-hitting corner just reminds me of the Seattle Corners from a decade ago, how well he's contributing. Um, And once Denzel comes back, I think it's even going to be a bigger shot in the arm for that secondary. But, like, it all started up front. You know, Miles had eight pressures, according to PFF. They had 17 total as a team, so Miles had half of them. Uh, you mentioned Isaiah Thomas, a seventh round rookie making impact like he did, uh, attacking the Bengals offensive line. Uh, even the D tackles, as much criticism as we've given them uh, throughout the season so far, like Taven Bryant, Togiai, they were making plays last night. Like it it was a it was a collective group effort on that defensive side of the ball from up front to the back end. Like they all played so well. And it was so good to see this defense starting to build momentum. Um, You just hope it continues. Like you said, Miami coming up here in two weeks with the house explosive, their offense is um, it's going to be a big test for them. And the following week against Buffalo, it's going to be even a bigger test. So uh, if the Browns want to keep riding this wave of momentum, Joe Woods and company have to find ways to slow down these high powered offenses. They got coming in the next few weeks after the bye.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, thankfully they have the bye week this week. They can get healthy, uh, healthier, you know, hopefully, you know, Denzel will be back by then, um, you know, just get everybody rested up and, and whatnot. And uh, because the next couple of weeks are, are going to be probably the, the toughest test I think you're going to face for the rest of the season uh, with these two high powered offenses. Um, so, you know, they, they need to do a good job of building on what they did these last couple of weeks. Um, you know, against Baltimore and Cincinnati last night. So um yeah, they they're gonna have a tough one, but hopefully they could uh you know, piece it together here and you know, getting Dion Jones more integrated. Um there's that defensive tackle too, uh that they signed to the practice squad. I forget what his name was, but hopefully Tyler
0: Tyler Davison.
1: Yep. Hopefully they could get him a little you know a little more game ready uh too uh just to get him in, in the rotation there to help out. So you know, build use these next couple of weeks uh, to shore up these game plans because you're gonna have to be uh, very sound uh, over these next couple of weeks if you are gonna want to have a chance to uh, keep up with these offenses.
0: Without a doubt, um, I mentioned how the defense played as a collective unit. Same goes for the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Jacoby Brissett had another great performance um, against a tough, both a tough Cincinnati defense that, you know, was doing pretty good. You know, people can question, you know, the the strength of the opponents they faced, but coming into the game, they had gone all seven games without allowing a second-half touchdown. Now, the Browns obviously broke that trend uh, with back-to-back touchdowns in the second half, but Jacoby Brissett played probably one of his best games so far as a starting quarterback, going 17 of 22 for 278 with a passing touchdown. He added a touchdown on the ground. Um, he did lose, he did turn the ball over with a fumble that was originally an interception, but, you know, Jacoby took care of the ball for the most part. Um, the offensive line gave him great time to throw. I think it was all, but like four or five of his dropbacks, he had more than two and a half seconds to throw the football. Um, so his great job blocking and Jacoby se, you know, I questioned his arm strength, Um, But when Peyton Manning is saying Jacoby makes throws that even he couldn't make, uh, I guess it's safe to say that I was wrong about the arm strength because that one throw to Amari Cooper in the second half, I think it went for 53 yards uh, was an absolute dime. And, you know, Jacoby has been great. Uh, I would love to keep him here as a long-term backup, but I just think he's going to get paid elsewhere this off season. He's given the Browns everything he had, and it's been good enough so far. uh, Give or take a couple games. Um, but brissett has been great. And last night was no exception for him.
1: Yeah. And on top of all that, he's just been a tremendous teammate, just answering the questions all year. Well, what's going to happen when Deshaun Watson comes back and, you know, he's just focused on the here and now, uh, been, been a really good teammate, uh, you know, for, for this offensive group, Um, uh, you know, his play last night, uh, was probably the, the best it was all season. Um, uh, you know, there were a couple throws he liked to have back that that one to uh, people's jones over the middle that he threw kind of low uh, that they reversed um, via the challenge. Um, there were a couple others. I I, I know I can't remember this specifically, but there were a couple other throws that I know he liked to have back. But uh, just some of the, the plays he made extending, uh, extending the plays, whether it was the rollout that he had for a touchdown. Uh, or the one time he, you know, stepped up and to the left and then hit people's drones to his wide open. Uh, they came across the middle there. Um, uh, he, 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 did a very nice job. And when you have a backup quarterback, uh, I, I think that's like the prototypical game you want from your, your backup quarterback. Don't really turn the football over. I know he had that one, uh, the, that fumble, but, uh, do everything you can to put the guys in the best chance to succeed. Um, uh, put the ball where it needs to go and, and everything he did last night was, was phenomenal. And, you know, obviously he had a huge help from the running game. The receivers helped him out too. Uh, you know, Cooper and Jones combining for nine catches and uh 212 yards, uh which was really great. So, uh, you know, they did a, a, the whole offensive group did a tremendous job. Uh He got, like you mentioned, clean protection all game long, the whole line, Was phenomenal. Um, It was just a a great offensive, much like the defensive side. Both both sides of the ball played probably their um, best they have all season long, and you know it resulted in a a very nice win.
0: Yeah, for sure. And is a we give credit to Jacoby in the passing game. Can't go without mentioning Amari Cooper. phenomenal game with five catches for 131 yards and the touchdown we won't mention the interception because that was just a broken down play because Cincinnati's defense you know send Logan Wilson after him and Cooper made a bad throw it would have
1: been a touchdown if he had a half second to throw uh yeah because
0: Michael Woods is wide open
1: he was wide open down the
0: sideline he really was but Cooper had a phenomenal game Donovan people's Jones just keeps stacking a uh, good performance after good performance. He, he had caught all four of his targets for 81 yards. He's off to a great start. It's going to be a career year for him. Um, and, you know, David Bell's starting to get more involved in the passing game. He had two for 27. Uh, you, you know, Michael Woods is out there getting more playing time. I think he's going to make some kind of impact uh, whether it's in the next couple of weeks before Brissett hands the reins over to Watson, But I think once Watson gets back on the field, or out on the practice field, which I think is coming up in the next week or two, he's going to be running with the second team, obviously. And I feel like Michael Woods is going to make some kind of impact there. And I think David Bell will. And I think that bodes well for the two of them when Watson finally gets back on the field, um, which gives the Browns even more weapons to play with offensively in the passing game.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and uh, hopefully Njoku will be back by then as well. Absolutely, um, which will be a, a nice shot in the arm. And I thought schematically they did a good job yesterday. You know, in his absence, of uh, utilizing uh, different formations and and different guys, um, you know, to to account for him. You know, using Chubb and Hunt together a little bit more yesterday. Uh, a couple times they used eight offensive linemen, which uh, I'll tell you what. You know, I I know how good our starting O line is, but when you have eight guys out there, and which is probably the you uh, they had a ninth guy on a depth chart because of Teller being out out there, um, and you're able to to you know run it in on that two point conversion, that that's that's fantastic. Uh, you know, I know we talk about Callahan and and what he does for this team, but I he deserves even more credit. When you can have the seventh, eighth and ninth guy ready to go every single week and, and perform at, at a high level, um, it just shows how good he is at his job. Uh, and I, I thought the creativity of using seven, eight guys at a couple different times in the game was a, a very good call. Uh, it's great in those short yard situations. Uh, I know there's a lot of different things they could do off of those formations, uh, which i maybe we'll see later on in the year. But um, you know, just the way that the old line is is ready every single week. And uh, you know, Froholt uh and and Teller's absence, you know, played played a very good game. So, you know, this this old line uh, has has been very strong. You saw it last night and you saw what they're able to do in, in terms of you know having Nick Chubb and, and Kareem Hump. Kareem Hunt behind him, uh, you know, being able to run the football, you know, 34 carries for 143 yards combined for the two of them. Uh, that's that's pretty darn good.
0: Yeah, without a doubt, the running attack was strong. Um, Nick Chubb, another phenomenal um, performance. Obviously, he's leading the NFL in both rushing yards and rushing touchdowns. He's already at 10, uh, and we're only halfway through the season. Uh, Kareem Hunt, you know, it was kind of weird. Because towards the end of the game, the look on his face, I think he was wondering if it was going to be his last game uh, with the Browns. Obviously, he did not get traded, uh, which we'll get to the trade deadline at the end of the podcast. But he had a good game. Them utilizing both uh, Chubb and Hunt, I think, was good. I think people got worried because, you know, New England and Baltimore, like Chubb didn't – or Hunt didn't get enough touches. Uh, but it seemed to incorporated him back in the game, both running and in, uh, in the receiving game. Uh, it was nice to see Dearness get some runs too towards the end. I, I was shocked he didn't even get moved because, you know, the Browns have a deep running back room, and I figured a team would come calling for either Hunter Johnson, but neither one of them got moved. But you mentioned the offensive line. I mean, they were phenomenal all night, even with the uh, the jumbo formations where they threw a offensive lineman out there. You know, you mentioned James Hudson, phenomenal block on that goal line when Chubb took the direct snap for the touchdown. Uh Jedrick Wills had one of his best games. I know a lot of people have criticized him for his inconsistency, but I think that's just what Jedrick Wills at this point. I think people were hoping he would be something like Joe Thomas, but Joe Thomas is one of one. There's no doubt about that, but this offensive line as a whole play phenomenal uh last night, even with Wyatt Teller being out, which I think bodes well down the stretch once he gets back from his calf strain. Anthony, they had two PFF. Elite grades. Ethan Posick, who posted a 94.0, which I think they said is the highest grade for a center so far this season, and of course Joel Batonio, who Troy Aikman was raving about on the broadcast, which is good because I think Batonio gets underlooked because he's in Cleveland, but he's definitely one of the best guards of this generation, maybe maybe of all time at this point.
1: Yeah, I'd argue he's what top five O line in all of NFL. Oh, uh, doubt. you know, so yeah, he's he's very good, you know. Uh, Pochek has been a, a very nice surprise uh, this season. I know they signed him on a one-year deal, and it's going to be hard to keep him. Uh I think uh because I think he's you know played his way into a, a decent sized uh contract this offseason, and you know they have to make a decision whether they want to you know move forward with him or Nick Harris or, or somebody else. Uh, I, you know, Harris being out due to injury at the moment.
0: I don't mean to catch you on, but I personally I think the decision's easier. post six got a track record. He's still young. I would extend him. I mean, Nick Harris, I know they they loved. But like you can't, he's only played one game in his three years. So if it was me, I'm extending Posick. If Harris wants, if they can make Harris a developmental guy and be one of these uh, Michael Dunn, Froholt types, be in depth, I think that that would be good. But I would extend Posick at this point. And I think it makes it easier with Conklin uh, going, becoming a free agent, they can put Hudson at right tackle and still keep the interior of the offensive line going forward into the future
1: yeah yeah and you know having whoever's at, at center having batonio on the left and teller on the right makes things a lot easier but when post has played at such a good level this season uh it, it's made that interior offensive line so solid i know teller's out with injury right now but uh they've been really solid uh, so far this season you talked about wills you know it could be the alternative you know they could have or the guys' names, Greg Robinson out there? or and Desmond uh, Harrison. Desmond Harrison. They could have those guys out there instead. Yeah. You know, if, if Jedrick Wills is an average to above average left tackle, that's perfectly fine because the alternative uh, is a nightmare. We've seen that uh, after they had Joe Thomas. So um, I'm perfectly fine with that. Uh, so, you know, th- this whole line uh, just has continued to impress. You know, maybe we could have Teller back in a couple weeks uh, against Miami. Uh, you know use this time to get healthy uh, but uh, you know the just the, the group as a whole from the, the top guy in Antonio all the way down to the nice tenth guy uh, in, in that the uh, offensive line group uh, they they play very well and and you know we, we talked about uh, you know Bill Callahan but he, he just does such a great job that uh, I'll trust him with almost any offensive lineman, uh, you know, that uh, they, they decide to bring in.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, with Wills, obviously they have to make a decision this offseason if they're going to pick up the option. I would strongly, like, if they want to pick up the option, go ahead and do that. But I would look at a offensive tackle in rounds three, four, or five. And if Wills doesn't make that ascension, which he's still – he'll be 24 next May. So there, I think there's still time for him to blossom, but have someone there waiting in the wings potentially to if Wills doesn't work out. You got someone else that you're develop, you having Callahan develop moving forward. Yeah, and I, I remember
1: uh, Joe Thomas speaking about. I know we've talked about this before, but there was a uh, time when Joe Thomas talked about how it takes offensive linemen coming from college now three, four, or five years, if not longer, to, you know, really get acclimated and understand what it's like to play O-line in the NFL because the college system is so different. Look at how, like, Austin Corbett, it took him, like, four years to, to really, you know, get a foothold in, into uh, playing O-line. I, I know he's on a couple different teams since he was uh, drafted by the Browns, but, you know, there's an example of that. Of that or like cam irving uh kind of the same thing you know it takes these guys three four five six years uh now coming from college to to really you know solidify themselves and you know i'm perfectly fine with giving wills another two three years to see where he can get to
0: yeah for sure and i mean with corbett it was his rookie year the browns were rotating him all over the place uh the second year they were still moving him whether he was guard or center they were still trying to find him a spot he goes to LA becomes a guard and flourishes there and got a big contract in Carolina and he's playing well for them now too. So uh, I would agree with you. And I think the, the other thing is Jed was a right tackle for how many years at Alabama and then has to come to Cleveland and learn how to play left tackle. And like, and they've said it's, it's hard to, to switch those sides. And I think Jed is still probably adjusting to it. And you know, he's, he's been up and down, up and down. Like there's no consistency with him he's average he's still better than what we've seen what we've seen out of Greg Robinson and Desmond Harrison like we mentioned so you still have Jed on on the cheap for at least through next year if you pick up the option then that obviously he's going to get a bump up in pay but like we said keep drafting developmental linemen in the middle rounds like they've had the last couple years with Harrison Hudson and then just see what happens going forward
1: and, and he's also fought through a lot of injuries too. You'll almost have to throw out last year, I think, uh, for him just because of the the injury situation that he had. So, uh, you know, it's nice having him, I think, fully healthy or as healthy as he can be this year. Yeah. Uh, you, you've seen him play uh, decently, so uh, you just hopefully they could t- continue to build on that.
0: Yeah, without a doubt. I want to circle back to Nick Chubb real quick, just because. He, you know, a lot of people have criticized him not getting enough carries, even though he's, he's behind Henry and Barkley for sure in terms of carries, but I think he's still top five this year. He's actually third behind Barkley and Henry, but he's got almost 850 rushing yards. He has 10 touchdowns so far through eight games. He's on pace for the biggest year of his career. Um, I think it's safe to say I people said he should be in the MVP discussion. We all know that goes to a quarterback. That's just how it's been. But if Nick stays on this pace right now, Offensive Player of the Year is not out of the question for him right now. He's on pace to close to 1,700 yards and 20 touchdowns as we hit the halfway mark in the year. Uh, yeah, he doesn't get enough credit when it comes to the discussion for a top running back. But he's doing this with splitting carries with Kareem Hunt, who's obviously a top 10, top 15 back, depending on how you want to rank him. But Nick Chubb, I think, is solidifying himself as the best running back in football the way he's been. And he's still not getting all the carries the way other running backs uh, surrounding him in the rankings are.
1: Yeah, he's so humble. He's so quiet. You never really hear him say anything. Um you know, he's just a really good player, a really good teammate, and just what he's been able to do so far this season. Uh, you know, they brought up the the statistics last night. Uh, I think it was on Sports Center. Uh, he has ten rushing touchdowns to the first. Uh, eight games uh it's only happened two other times in Brown's history and both the other two times were Jim Brown. Jim Brown did had 10 through eight games one year and then another year he had sixteen uh through eight games which is, is ridiculous. But um, you know he's on pace you mentioned there, you know, for twenty touchdowns. If he hits twenty, maybe he gets some MVP votes, maybe. But um you know, I I I wonder how much things are gonna open up even more for him when Deshaun Watson comes back, uh, because of Watson's ability to spread the ball all over the field, um, uh, and also be able to you know make defenses pay with his speed too, uh. So I wonder how that's gonna you know work out for for those two guys, um, uh, but just just the way he is right now. Um, uh, he is so effective. Uh, every time he touches the football, he touched it uh, 24 times yesterday and there, I think I have this right, 64 snaps. So, oh, what was that, like 40% of the snaps uh, or so? Um, yeah. that, that's a lot of touches for, for one player to have like 40% of the offensive snaps. So, um, uh, you know, I know everybody wants to complain they should run the ball more, they shouldn't run the ball more. Um, uh, you know, I, I think they, they do they do it enough, uh, you know, when they're uh, winning in games in the fourth quarter, like you saw last night, you that's when you can really give it to them, you know, give it to them on, on uh, drives there and, and let them run it five, six times each of those drives, if not more, uh, to, to help run down that clock. So, and that's what they did last night. Um, and the Bengals still had no answer for it, and they knew it was coming. Um, He's just a very good player, very good running back, Uh, you know, probably the top three, top five player we've had since we've come back uh, since 99. So uh, he's just tremendous. And there's really not many more adjectives that you can say positively about his play.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at the all time rushing leaders for the Browns because this is something we haven't even brought up during the season so far. Uh, he's now sitting fourth in rushing yards all time for Cleveland Browns. He passed Greg Pruitt last week against Baltimore. Um, he tied Kevin Mack for rushing touchdowns. Uh, that's fourth all time. He's one behind Mike Pruitt for third all time. And if he stays on this pace, he's going to get really close to third all time in the rushing yards. Uh, Pruitt's at 6,540. Um, and Chubbs at 5,657. Chubbs done that in 66 games. Uh, These guys towards the top of the list all played at least 99 games. And like Jim Brown obviously was the lone back. Leroy Kelly was the lone back during their times. Mike Pruitt shared it with, I think that's his brother Greg. And then obviously Kevin Mack had shared the time with Ernest Biner uh, during their tenures with the Browns. And Chubbs obviously sharing the load with Kareem Hunt and he's still doing this. He's still touching. He's still in the top five in terms of rushing yards all time in Cleveland Browns history. So that just shows how special of a player he is.
1: Yeah, look, looking at looking at that that list there, um, you know, he's only been here. This is what his fourth year, fifth year, uh, fifth year, and Pruitt was here for nine nine years. It looks like uh, yeah. nine seasons, and he could top that list in almost <laughs> half the time. Um, which is pretty, pretty crazy. Uh, he's just a, a special back. Uh, we're lucky to have him. And the, the number, I'm not sure what's, you're looking at pro football reference. Yep. The number that is most impressive is that very last column, only six fumbles in five yeah. years that I think, <laughs> I think that's the most uh impressive part is, is only six fumbles, uh, in over, uh, a thousand attempts, um, and then that, that is uh, something special.
0: It really is. And I pulled up Jim Brown's stats for his first five seasons. Now they played his first four years were 12 game seasons. And then Jim Brown's fifth year was 14 game season. So Chubbs obviously played more games in Brown's first five seasons. And Chubb wasn't even the starter until halfway through his rookie year. Uh, Jim Brown had 6,463 yards and, Nick Chubb if he stays on the pace he's on this year will get pretty close to that mark now granted Chubb had played in more games obviously than Brown but still like if he stays on the pace this year through each of their first five seasons they're going to be very parallel in terms of their rushing yards and I think even rushing touchdowns if I want to pull that back up real quick
1: yeah, that's crazy to have like a generational talent like that at running back currently. Uh, if you're starting to compare those statistics and they're looking pretty similar, so yeah, uh, he's just a tremendous back, and we're absolutely lucky to have him.
0: Yeah, I mean they pulled up the stat last night: eight touchdowns through the first in each of those first five seasons. It was, I think, Walter Payton, Barry Sanders, Adrian Peterson, Emmitt Smith, and now Nick Chubb. Like that's it's elite company. Like three of them are already in the Hall of Fame. Adrian Peterson will be in the Hall of Fame. And if Nick Chubb stays on the career path he's on, which, you know, running backs are different now, but I feel like Nick Chubb, especially if he has a solid number two back that can take some of the the load off of him, who knows? Maybe one day Nick Chubb will be in the Hall of Fame as well.
1: You know, honestly, Jack, if he keeps in this he could be the all time
0: rushing leader in Browns I, history I, or NFL history.
1: At least in Brown's history, I think, yeah. for sure. I mean, uh,
0: barring health, I mean, he stays on this pace. Jim Brown was over 12,000 yards. Nick Chubb is well on his way to that. So, yeah, I mean, it's I mean it's something to think about. Obviously, health plays a big role in that um, and the career path and the, the length of the career. I mean, if Nick Chubb can stay healthy, obviously he's had his injuries uh, during his time in Georgia. He had that one knee injury in 2020, but – he stays healthy. I mean, it, it's definitely possible, so, especially if he stays on the pace he's on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you hope he can do that. Uh, like I said, he's just a, a, a generational talent, and we're lucky as Browns fans to to have that. And I know um, – I think he he symbolizes, I think, what Cleveland football is about, uh, and I think that makes it even better.
0: Without a doubt. Um, we put up our poll that we usually do after every Browns win over on our Twitter account, which is at the Dogland, uh, of who should be the quote unquote mayor of Dogland for the Browns victory. Uh, our four choices were Miles Garrett, Nick Chubb, Amari Cooper, and Martin Emerson. We even could have thrown Sioni Taki Taki in there. Um, Alex Hale, our draft guy, wanted us to throw Stefanski on there, but we keep it a player's vote. Um, I voted for Miles. Anthony, I don't know who you voted for, but if you want to go ahead and tell people who you voted for,
1: yeah, I said when we were talking about last night, I you could have put Brissette in there too. Uh, I think that would have been Very well. another option. They just had so many players last night have a really good game that, uh, you know, it's a shame that we we're only limited limited to four, uh, choices. Um, I put Chubb. Uh, he's just such a difference maker. Uh, for that offense and. Uh, what he's able to do every single week, you know, he's running the football, yet teams can't stop him. Uh, I know that's credit to him, credit to the offensive line, but um, he's just an absolute special player. And and just, he makes that offense flow and work and and do everything. So uh, that's why I picked Chubb uh, for that.
0: Yeah. I went with miles. And so far as of Tuesday afternoon when we were recording, um, the fans agreed with that as well. Uh, Miles has 43% of the vote. Chubb has 30%. Amari Cooper has 19%, and Martin Emerson has 8%. So that poll's still up through um, close to midnight Tuesday night, but it seems like Miles is going to be the mayor of Dogland for week eight, and deservingly so, because uh, for people that said he he can't be that game wrecker uh, like some of the other uh, elite defensive players, Miles certainly uh, silenced that at least for one week with his performance Monday night against the Bengals. Uh, Anthony, as we ramp up, the trade deadline is coming and gone while we're recording. The Browns didn't make a deal. You know, Kareem was in the trade rumors. Uh, Greedy Williams was as well, but neither of them are removed. Uh, but there was some big deals that affect the Browns, both in the division and uh, in future opponents. And I think the biggest, probably the biggest trade on deadline day, because I think the Christian McCaffrey to the 49ers trade was probably the biggest one of the NFL trade season the Miami Dolphins who the Browns have coming off the bye week here in two weeks, in less than two weeks, go out and get Bradley Chubb from the Denver Broncos uh, to pair him up with Jalen Phillips, who is one of their emerging uh, elite or defensive players, but the Broncos get a first round pick, a fourth round pick and running back chase Edmonds in the deal. Bradley Chubb, who's coming up to be a free agent. It sounds like Chubb and the Dolphins are going to hammer out a long-term deal, but, you know Miami is obviously one of the contenders in the AFC, and they go out and get another solid pass rusher in Bradley Chubb, and the Browns are in for a big test here in a couple of weeks, having to go up against not only Bradley Chubb, but Jalen Phillips as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough duo to face. Um, you know, I, I have confidence in in Will's and Conklin, but you know that's not going to be an easy duo to go up against, and uh, you know, the, the Browns had a chance to, uh, draft Chubb a few years ago, but, uh, you know, ultimately they went in a different direction. Uh, but you know, he's developed into a, a good pass rusher and, uh, you know, the, the Browns are certainly going to have their hands full uh, when they play Miami after the bye week. So, uh, we'll, we'll see what, uh, he's able to do, but, you know, hopefully the Browns can handle their own there.
0: Yeah, for sure. And maybe, um, Bradley Chubb's cousin Nick Chubb can, uh, you know, help Will's or Conklin and some of those, uh, passing downs as a as an extra blocker to uh, slow up his cousin Bradley. So that'll be something to watch here in a couple of weeks. Um, the Pittsburgh Steelers traded their wide receiver Chase Claypool to the Chicago Bears for a second round pick. This was a surprise to some, just because Claypool hasn't been that big play wide receiver that consistent big play wide receiver uh, that he was his rookie year for Pittsburgh. He's been very inconsistent the last couple of years. And some of the reports are saying that he was being a problem behind the scenes. So Pittsburgh decided to unload him um, off their team. And Justin Fields gets a potential uh, weapon at his disposal, which he, which he's needed. Um, The bears also made another big move trading Roquan Smith to the Baltimore Ravens. So the bears, are taking one of the divisional foes away, but sending one to our division as well. Um, the bears are making some serious moves, Anthony. They got a ton of draft capital and I think they said $120 million in cap spaces coming off season. Uh, so they have plenty of assets to go and fill out the, the, the holes on their team to try to give Justin Fields a chance to succeed uh, at the NFL level.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they certainly do. Uh, you know, continue to build him an offensive line there. Uh it's definitely a priority finding him, you know, a couple more weapons, uh, receiver, uh running back. I was kinda of surprised they held on to Montgomery too. Uh majors well there just wasn't the interest interest there uh to move him. But um, uh, you know, they certainly could use a couple more offensive weapons. The defense still needs quite a bit of work. So uh, you know, they've traded away. In in this season, uh, Cleo Mack, Roquan Smith, and Robert Quinn. Quinn. So those are three big holes you have to fill uh, on the defensive side. So hopefully they're able to take care of that this offseason. But, you know, in terms of the division, uh, it's a nice move. Uh, I guess in the short term for the Ravens, I don't know how much long-term sense it makes for them because – you're giving up a, a second round and a fifth round pick uh, for a linebacker who uh, is in the last year of his contract and reportedly reportedly wants $20 million a year. Uh, it sounds I'm like not, he's
0: going to get it, too. They said that they were going to hammer out an extension, which I wonder what that means for Lamar.
1: Yep. Yeah, that was my next point. Uh, you know, you have to wonder what that would mean for a, a Lamar Jackson extension, uh, because I don't know if they will keep both. <laughs> Uh, or it'd make it difficult, they really would have to sacrifice some other spots on a team in order for that to happen. Um, so we'll watch that one carefully. And then I thought Pittsburgh got a, a very nice return for, for Claypool. A second round pick, I think, is uh almost you know maybe fleecing the Bears, uh, you know, for, for a draft pick there. So, uh, for a draft pick that'll probably end up top 40, maybe, maybe. Top- top 50 for sure. Uh, So, you know, they're going to have two or three top 50 picks depending on where they finish, uh, uh, you know, in in the standings for the season. So um, it's a nice move for the Steelers and they're just going to go reload and, you know, this will give George Pickens a lot more of an opportunity. And I know they're really high on him. He definitely has some chemistry with Pickett. So, uh I, I think this is gonna be addition by subtraction on the field and then certainly an addition in the offseason whenever they make their job pick.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I'm looking at the Ravens like cap situation for next year. Right now they have 48 million in cap. And once they franchise Lamar, which we all think they will, unless they do get him signed long term, they'll have 17 million dollars in cap space. Then you gotta worry. You got Fuller, Pierre Paul, Peters, Robinson, Houston. Kenyon Drake coming off the books, So they have a lot of free agents. I mean, I don't know how they're going to do it. They can move a couple of these aging veterans off the books, but to re-sign Lamar and Roquan Smith to massive deals and then be able to fill out the rest of the roster is going to be tricky for Eric DaCosta. But I don't know. Sashi's in in that front office now. So he might be able to help them tinker with the cap and try to, you know, obviously you can restructure deals and create cap and push stuff into the future, but it's going to be tricky when you have Marlon Humphrey on a big deal, Ronnie Stanley on a big deal, Mark Andrews on a big deal. Uh, I think they re-signed Tucker to a big contract. Uh, It's crazy. I'm mentioning a kicker among their biggest contracts, but it's going to be interesting unless they decide that they're going to trade Lamar for assets, find a new quarterback. Maybe they draft Anthony Richardson from Florida, and groom him to be the next Lamar with his size and athleticism. But so it's going to be interesting to see how the future of the Ravens franchise shakes out, because I don't think personally now, if they move Lamar, I wouldn't be opposed to it, but I just don't think they can let him walk out the door with how dynamic he has been to that offense and into that team overall.
1: Yeah, it would, it would be foolish for them to do that, but you just don't know. Uh, I'm not sure how happy, Lamar is uh, over there at the moment. I know he's made his voice known about wanting to get paid and everything, so uh hey, look, the more turmoil over there, the better. you know, I, I don't mind the turmoil, whether it's Pittsburgh or Cincinnati or Baltimore. so just let it continue to build and fester
0: over there for sure, man, for sure. um we're gonna wrap this up. um we may do another episode later this week. Obviously, the Browns are on a bye week, but you know, maybe we do a report card for the first half of the year Anthony or something we break down each position group and give out our first half grades and uh get ready to head into the bye week uh nice relaxation from what has been a stressful first half to say the least the Browns football
1: yeah I think uh I think doing that you know it's rare that we get the bye week exactly after a game so I think uh with content I think that would work out very well uh later in the week
0: yeah and then next week um just to give everybody a a heads up. I'm going to be on vacation next week. I'm heading to South Carolina. I will be bringing my laptop, time. So I may be able to do an episode while I'm on vacation, but I'll be in South Carolina. And then I'm going to the Browns dolphins game in Miami. So definitely looking forward to that. It's my first time on a flying. It's my first time going to a road Browns game. So uh, looking forward to that, get to meet Jack Duffin and hopefully some other Browns fans down there in Miami. So uh, that's just a heads up for everybody, all our listeners uh, next week in terms of our schedule to get you guys ready for the Dolphins game.
1: Yeah. Just don't fall into the trap that uh, a lot of people make when they go down to Miami. Uh, and you know what that is.
0: <laughs> I will not do that. I promise you. Um, but in the meantime, you guys can follow the podcast at the Dogland. follow me on Twitter at Jack McCurry zero eight, follow Jokey Anthony at Anthony Jokey. Uh, and until next time, Browns fans, as we get on out of here, as always go Browns.